<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, I'm Jim Palma, and I'm the executive director of Target Cancer Foundation. I'm a member of the board of directors of Nord and co-chair of the Nord Rare Cancer Coalition. The Nord Rare Cancer Coalition is made up of nearly 30 Nord patient member organizations, and we are actively working on ways to tackle issues facing the greater rare cancer community through capacity building, networking, and peer-to-peer mentoring. You can learn more about Nord's Rare Cancer Coalition and Rare Cancer Day by visiting rarediseases.org. Thank you very much. Welcome to the club that you're going to want to join. We're the voice of rare disease, and this jingle doesn't rhyme. Nord Pod, Nord Pod, Nord Pod. My name is Matthew Zachary. And welcome to NordPod, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Now, I've been advocating on behalf of cancer and rare disease patients for over 20 years. Why? Because I am one. NordPod is the official podcast of the National Organization for Rare Disorders. And a quick reminder before we get started, that if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other listeners like you discover the show. Now, let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome back and welcome all new listeners to NordPod, the voice of rare disease. On the show today, you're going to love this guy, Dan Drydock. That's That's his name, Dan Drydock Shockley. He's military, Operation Desert Storm, Enduring Freedom, Iraqi Freedom. Like, dude, thank you for your service to our country. What a guy. He's a hereditary colon cancer warrior. This is your metaphor of choice. So here's the deal. After an initial colonoscopy, he was recommended for a genetic panel. How nice, how novel to be told as a test for you. Passed along to specialists. He was diagnosed and treated for something called AFAP. Gotta love the acronyms, hereditary colon cancer within just two months. I mean, this is crazy awesome. Not that he had cancer, but that he got diagnosed and treated so quickly. Since then, he's worked alongside leading researchers and clinicians in the colon cancer screening field to provide patients' perspective, raising awareness for rare cancers, destigmatizing ostomy bags, which we get into in the conversation, and how to lead as high quality of life as possible if you're someone living with this condition. So get ready to explore the positive impact that having access to a quick diagnosis, trained physicians, and ongoing care can have on rare cancers. Again, what progress we've made if you can get it early, have the right team, and be surrounded by people that support you. Enjoy the show. Dan Shockley, welcome to NordPod. My first question to you. I love military nicknames. They either have a fantastic story or no story. What is Dry Dock? Oh, Matthew, thank you very much for the opportunity. Dry Dock is a nickname. It's my handle now um, since I retired. I served 22 years on active duty in the Navy. 
And during my career, I served uh, on board seven different ships. Two of those ships spent quite a bit of time in dry dock when I was on board. Now, after I retired, I um, started playing vintage baseball. And that's uh, here in the Sacramento, California area. And the club we played for played 1863 rules of uh, vintage baseball. So that said, the team suggested that the players actually encourage the players to have a vintage team nickname to go along with uh, you know us, our teams. So since the uh, era of ball that we were playing was 1863, and uh, that's when um, Abraham Lincoln was president during the Civil War, well, um, my home of record is Illinois, the land of Lincoln, and one of the ships I was on was the USS Abraham Lincoln, and we ended up going into dry dock after we returned from the Persian Gulf back in 96. So long story short, I said, well, my handle is going to be Dan Drydock Shockley. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. As if it were chosen for you. Exactly. It was, it was, it's, my, it's been my destiny, and I just, you know, uh, how cool that is. Well, you had the fortunate misfortune of entering the cancer store. <laughs> like yeah, all too many people, the club no one wants to join. Were you uh, uh, deployed when this happened? I mean, I, I want to talk about this hereditary conversation. No, I um, I had been retired in 2003, and I go for my uh, – I knew I needed to schedule my colonoscopy when I turned 50 and had the colonoscopy. And the GI doctor – this was in Hawaii. I was residing in Hawaii at the time. My GI doctor, we talked about doing a colonoscopy, and he reviewed my physical, the results of my physical that for that year and the previous year. He noticed that there was a 14-pound unexpected weight loss. So he said, well, I'd like to also do an upper GI in addition to the colonoscopy. And I said, sure, okay. So um, I had no symptoms, no indications, anything's going on inside. And the... Um, performed the uh, procedures. I uh, woke up in the recovery room and I'm sipping on some guava juice, eating some animal crackers. And he's standing there next to me in the recovery room and said, Dan, we're going to need to talk. And I said, okay, what's going on? He goes, well, I found a hundred polyps embedded throughout your colon, rectum, and anus. And uh, I'm going to need to have you come into my office uh, in, a, in a couple of days because I need to refer you to a certified genetic counselor at Triple Army Medical Center, which wait, was wait. right next door. Before you continue, were those words yeah. you were not expecting to hear? It didn't surprise me. Honestly, it didn't surprise me. So I've, I've embraced this from the onset. I went in, this was May 8th of 2012, when I had the colonoscopy and the upper GI. And I went into Dr. Ona's office, my GI doctor. And we sat down and talked. And he said, well, Dan, I think you have familial adenomatose polyposis. A lot of syllables right there. A lot of syllables. Yeah, Yeah. FAP in short. And what that is, that's a polyposis syndrome. And it's something that requires surveillance. He said, we won't know for sure, but the certified genetic counselor will sit down with you with with the medical team there at Tripler and um, determine the best course of action. uh, he, He said, inevitably, you're going to, if it's what I think it is, you're going to need surgery. Oh boy. So I said, okay. So this was a Friday. I was sitting there with my doctor, uh, my GI doctor. 
So after that appointment, I went over to Tripler because I didn't know where the certified genetic counselor's office was. I went over there and I found the office. Um, the waiting room is in general surgery. So what happened when I walked through the double doors to go into this waiting room, you know, in the military settings, they have uh, photographs on the wall for the chain of command. And the very first photo I saw was the chief of surgery. I looked at his face and I've seen him before. In fact, I know him very well. I just didn't know who he was. And I saw his name below and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I just said, the calm that overcame me, you could have told me I had cancer. I had a week to live. I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I walked out of there. I went home. Now, the, the reason this was all such a positive um, outlook that I had, that individual who's the chief of surgery, I had known since 2004. At nights and the weekends, I was employed by a local hardware store there in Hawaii. And this individual, his name is Ian, he was one of my loyal customers. And he would always come in, and when he did, he looked for me and shook my hand, and we talked. I had no idea who he was. He knew I was retired Navy. And um, when uh, I saw him two days before I went to see my genetic counselor, I saw Ian in the store, and I, and I hadn't started my shift yet. I just walked in. I went up to him, and I said, Ian. And he turned around. And he goes, Daniel. He shook my hand. He goes, how's Daniel doing today? And I said, Ian. For all these years, you've, one of, you've been one of my loyal customers. Now let me let you know who I am to you. And he goes, what do you mean? What's going on? So I told him about the colonoscopy, and I'm coming in to see the certified genetic counselor. And, and I didn't know that she uh, was assigned to the general surgery clinic. And, and I, you know, so he said, okay, well, when, everything's going to be okay. When's your appointment? And I said, well, it's going to be Tuesday. And he looks up in the air, and he said, out loud. He goes, okay, let's see. Today's Sunday. I'm going to go in tomorrow and I'm going to nose around a little bit. He says, don't worry. You're in good hands. And, um, and by the way, Ian's wife, Judy, is um, she was there and she was listening to all this. Come to find out she's one of the leading pathologists at Tripwire. So no pun intended. They know me inside and out. So, Dan, I couldn't help but hear that you had a genetic counselor, or should I say maybe access to a genetic counselor? That sounds like a luxury novelty these days. Did you expect that to be the case, or were you aware at the time, like, whoa, that sounds cool? Yeah, exactly. I'll take the latter on that, uh, Matthew. Uh, it sounded absolutely amazing to me, and I'm like, what's this going to you know, What's this gonna entail? Um, I had no idea. I don't even think I've ever heard of a certified genetic counselor. So what, what were some of the questions and tests they did? I mean, obviously, they wanted to get your DNA and figure out what, what's making you tick biologically, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, they sat me down. Uh, she's the, my genetic counselor sat me down, asked me questions, any family history, any knowledge of any um, you know, relatives, uh, colon problems, uh, colon issues. Uh, and no, no family history whatsoever. Yeah, we just, she wanted to sit me down. Um, she had to do a collection of uh, saliva and blood sample. Now she mentioned that, uh, she thought that I had FAP. However, we won't know until the DNA test results come back. Now she said it's going to take about three weeks to get the results back. In the meantime, I suggest you read about this mutation we think you have 
read about the type of surgery and read about life after surgery with a permanent ostomy. So being the military mindset, I broke it down into three phases and I read, and she gave me some real good sources to read about FAP and, um, and then this, this type of surgery and then life as an ostomy. So that's, you know, I just, I embraced this from the onset and, um, you know, in the military, I learned, uh, adapt, improvise, and overcome. So this was just right along, you know, right along that, uh, that mindset. Yeah. You, you answered my question in advance, which is, you know, having military <laughs> training, preparing you for all of this craziness. I was reading here that AFAP, which we talked about is hereditary colon cancer. If, if that is indeed correct, did you know you had a family history, even though you didn't have a family history or does, is that not what that means? No, that's you're right. That's that's what that means. Now, I didn't. There's no knowledge of any family history. Now, just a side note: the mutation AFAP was discovered by the late Dr. Henry T. Lynch, and he's the founding father of hereditary cancer research. And uh, at the time, he was 87 and a half years old. He was the director of preventive medicine at Creighton University. Mike genetic counselor and colorectal surgeon with colleagues of him. So little did I know, Dr. Lynch was tracking my journey. Um, so, you know, we had no idea. Now I did have, uh, I did get to meet with Dr. Lynch. He mentioned, cause he read all my reports. He mentioned that the gene mutation very well possibly, possibly started with me and I don't have any biological children. So it's going to end with me. So we're still looking to see if any of my relatives, my first and second cousins, um, have any, um, you know, any recollection of any colon problems. But um, I've been, you know, advocating with them for the last nine years, and still we we don't have any any knowledge of any, um, you know, colon problems, uh, let alone AFAP. It's like when you have a blue-eyed daughter and there's no one in the family that ever had blue eyes, but somewhere back of the chain, someone had blue eyes. That's kind of yeah, the corollary exactly. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to I so. talk about those three weeks that you had to mm -hmm. wait for these results. And you did apply some fabulous strategies that you learned serving. But most people have to live in that waiting game in this terrified trance of immobility. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you had skills that you were able to apply to the situation. What have you been able to learn in meeting many other people from this community or even any patient that has ever just experienced? What do I do for three weeks? My life's going to be completely different. I have no idea if I'm going to be alive. What do you want to share with people that are in those moments at three in the morning when you're terrified in the middle of this three week period? Yeah. First thing, have a discussion with your family members, your siblings, your parents, your cousins, your uh, aunts and uncles, if you have access to them. You know, have a discussion with uh, any of them. Have a discussion with your medical team, your GI team, your primary care doctor, if you have a specialty clinic. Have discussions with them. Ask lots of questions. Write, write questions down uh, and on a piece of paper and have them readily available. Have that have a little notepad and a pencil by the bed or by a chair. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, write these questions down. Take the time to document this. So because your mind could be having all these different thoughts, you know, all these different questions and concerns, which is, which is natural. 
you share these this these questions, these concerns with uh, your family. I mean, your friends too. You have some close friends you can talk to, but but try to air it out, you know. And that way, it's going to help. It helped me. I had a lot of medical professionals I got to uh, collaborate with for these three weeks before the results came back. So I was even more prepared. As, as crazy as that sounds, I was more prepared. You got to take it, you know, one moment at a time. Break it down into phases, which is what I did. And you know, military allowed me the opportunity to overcome personal and professional um, adversity. So this was this was right on board with that, right alongside it. So before we go to break, I want to talk about the idea of the unwitting advocate, right? You didn't wake up one day and say, I can't wait to get colon cancer and become a colon cancer yeah, advocate. Yeah. At, at what point were you through this process where you either had been made aware of the colon cancer community, colon cancer in the veteran community, which I understand is is a, a fairly significant group of people, and or this idea of you can now help other colon cancer patients based on what you had gone through. Was there a like a gestalt moment? Absolutely. I, I thought about this prior to the, um, the surgery. Uh, I had a two-week period. Um, the day that I was informed about the diagnosis of a AFAP, I was in with my colorectal surgeon and genetic counselor, and I was told that I needed this surgery. I didn't have to have it. However, keep in mind, any of the polyps left unattended have a 100% chance of developing their colon cancer. Right. So I said, well, I want the surgery. And my colorectal surgeon was so cool. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. He looked at me. He goes, Daniel, I thought that's what you were going to say. I've already scheduled your surgery. It's two weeks from today. So I had uh, went in for the surgery. Now, the two weeks, I was reaching out to more organizations. Colon Cancer Alliance was one of them. United Ostomy Associations was another communicating with them to let them know what is going on with me and I'm getting ready for surgery. So I learned actually the day after my surgery, my wound, my wound and ostomy nurse came in to, to help me, um, help start educating me on how to take care of myself uh, with my permanent ostomy. And um, she even brought a magazine and it was a beginner's guide to an ileostomy. So I read that and I was like, well, this is cool. And there just happened to be the cover story was a warrant officer in the army. He was a pilot and he has a permanent ostomy and he was diagnosed why he was on active duty and he was being medically boarded out of the army. And at the time he challenged it and he was able to get himself into you know good shape to continue his uh, being a pilot. And he had a great story. He was um, one of the only pilots to have an ostomy in the military and flying combat missions in Afghanistan. And um, I read that story and I'm like, Oh my gosh, well, I want, what can I do? You know, because, you know, I thought it was, you know, that was a great story. I actually got to talk to him. I, um, I called the writer for that article and I was able to, I, I asked uh, that person if they could put me in contact with, with Bob was Bob is his name. And, and he called me three hours later and we talked and, um, so um, I said that that's that's where my advocacy journey started, because not only am I wanting to read about my condition, my my hereditary colon cancer syndrome, 
as well as uh, having a permanent ostomy, what can I do to be a source of inspiration and encouragement, you know, for those who hear or read about my uh, journey? Back with our guest after the break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I was diagnosed... 25 years ago in the nineties and there was really nothing in general. There was, there was nothing in general, but there really was nothing in terms of how to solve the you're not alone conundrum. And mm-hmm. the idea of a peer to peer, someone like you was a nice idea. And where I'm going to relate to you in a way that's going to maybe not surprise you, you know, this idea of finding someone like you is great. But finding someone exactly like you is nearly impossible. So mm-hmm. you went like like and deep into the pool and peer to peer, colon cancer, <laughs> military ostomy, yeah. right? That's extraordinary. Yeah. The first person I met who became my first peer was bald like me, Jewish like me from mm. Long Island, like me, had brain mm. cancer like me and went to my wow. alma mater and was in the same acapella group as me. Oh my gosh. Well, you that that that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. But it makes yeah. all the difference, you know, to say, you know, you're not alone is a nice platitude, but to actually mm-hmm. get to feel and believe that there are other people out there that are like you is mm-hmm. the most gratifying opportunity when you're going through a bunch of bad stuff. Yeah, and I look at it this as a challenge. And I, I don't look at it uh, in a negative. Any everything I do is all positive, you know, because you know we're it's it's all about you know my experience in the military totally equipped me for this for this new journey. You know, I love it. I actually love it. I mean, it's it's. In, I mean, I get opportunities to be uh, you know to share my journey on, on your show and and this and I do this internationally. I've got followers in uh, Canada, India. Australia, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, uh, 
in the UK, the rest of the UK, I mean, that's just uh, the tip of the iceberg. So um, I actually started, uh, I have another uh, little acronym I use for AFAP. You know, my always forge ahead with a purpose. That's my acronym for AFAP. That's, that's my positive spin on a bleak diagnosis. Yeah, always forge ahead with a purpose because that's what my life is. I have my purpose is to share my journey, uh, educate the world about my mutation, uh, in, uh, in continuing the legacy of Dr. Henry T. Lynch, who passed away at 91 years old two years ago, and uh, in hopes of saving lives and uh, in the importance of early detection. Well, now I created another acronym for uh, AFAP, and that's advocacy from across the pond. And that was um, what I do in the ostomy community, because I have a lot of um, organizations um, abroad that uh, I get to share my journey. And I, you know, we always talk about, and anybody in the UK, we always talk about across the pond. So I said, well, this is my advocacy from across the pond, you know, um, opportunity. So I have fun with it. You know, that's the thing. You got to have fun in life. I mean, there's, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, you take a negative, turn into a positive. Well, life is a box of chocolates. I'm totally kidding. Right. I don't I don't always channel yeah. Forrest Gump. But, uh, so so l- let's get into yeah. the stigma part of this because, you yeah. know, ostomy is a scary word. It changes your entire life for the rest of your life. It is mm-hmm. a drastic alteration of all you've known. I have many friends on ostomies. They've had mm-hmm. them as, as young as 18 years old. And mm-hmm. some of them have had the fortune of, of having them removed, but some have to live with them. Let's talk about that. It, there's, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I, having worked in oncology and advocacy for so long, I know all the jokes, I know all the dark humor, I know all the things that only colon yeah. cancer patients can say to colon cancer patients. But talk us through that moment where you realize this is going to change my life forever. And how do I meet other people? You said they gave you a DVD, right? That's, that's kind of nice. Maybe that helps. But what are the life hacks of living with an ostomy? Like there have to be things that that DVD couldn't have taught you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta go. You just gotta, you know, it's one thing about, you can sit there and, and, and read, uh, um, instructional about how to swim, but until you get in the pool, you know, everything you read, it's, you know, the rubber meets the road. So and I was learning, I'm still learning nine years later. I'm still learning as I go, you know, there's things that I come across it. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. But, um, but I knew right from the, from the get-go that this was going to be a permanent ostomy. I knew that. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I just needed to know, you know, was it going to alter my, my diet, my daily intake of food? So it did for a while, but that's only because of my system was getting, you know, I had my total, I had all my, my entire colon recommendations were removed. So I was left, of course, with my stomach and small intestine. So, you know, an ileostomy is a lot different than a colostomy. Having an ileostomy temporarily is a lot different from having one permanent. And um, I had two jobs. I was working, well, a day job, and then I had a night job. So I was I was active. So I just went about my business really uh, until as of today. I mean, as until today, I go about my life as if nothing happened. And um, you know, if we sit here. You, we could sit in front of each other or stand up and be around each other, you would never know that I have an ostomy. And um, I just, you know, I, I want to be an advocate about it. 
because life goes on. We need to silence the stigma. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be embarrassed about having an ostomy. Uh, I'm one that projects a positive outlook since I've overcome so much adversity. I mean, I'll go to support groups to talk about my journey because there's a lot of folks, I mean, probably 70% of the individuals when I go to these support groups in different cities I've lived in in the last nine years, uh, they just don't want to talk about it. And I'm one of the younger ones, but uh, I just take it, you know, and, uh, and learn. I mean, I wanted to learn as much as I could about it. I wanted to reach out and see not only what we do here in uh, North America, what do we do? What do they do in, um, in Australia, Canada, you know, the UK? I mean, I have colleagues, you know, in the various, and even the India. I have colleagues in different parts of the world just talk story and, you know, compare notes. And, but, um, you know, it's uh, just embrace it. It's, it's really easy to forget that there's a world outside of America. And obviously, having served around the world, you are aware that there are other places besides America and getting to know what cancer experiences are and how support works and the different cultural mechanisms and the way in which the government interoperates and peer. Everything is very unique in many different countries, even if they're bordering each other. I mean, Spain Mm -hmm. and Portugal have completely different methods of getting people to care and supporting each other. And, you know, if you have one particular takeaway of having this sort of global experience, meeting people that, you know, have one thing in common, which is this horrible thing. But are you seeing this more, this, this homogeneous sense of camaraderie and community all the, everywhere you go? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I notice it. But I, I send out positive vibes, positive thoughts, and I get that back tenfold. And uh, it's just, uh, it's absolutely uh, incredible. It's been an incredible journey. It, it will continue to be an incredible journey. I mean, I do it on the, uh, the ostomy community the rare disease community and as well as the, um, the, the colon cancer community. However, you know, it's whatever opportunity is out there for those three different um, communities, I'll, whatever I can do to share is, you know, there's, there's different campaigns. You know, we've got Ostomy Awareness Days the first Saturday of every October. Uh, the last day of February every year is Rare Disease Day. And then the month of March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month or Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And so I have a hereditary colon cancer syndrome. So that takes me even into a further advocacy opportunity. So, um, but I enjoy that. I mean, my military experience, I had so many different opportunities of uh, doing different presentations at the different commands that I was assigned to. And um, just my travel in the world. You know, I visited 22 different countries in my 22-year Navy career. So so here, my takeaway is for 22 years on active duty, I was an ambassador for the world's greatest Navy. Now as a hereditary colon cancer syndrome warrior with a permanent ostomy, now um, I'm honored to be an, avoc- uh, an ambassador for the United Ostomy Associations of America the National Organization for Rare Disorders and the Colon Cancer Alliance and the Colon Cancer Prevention Project. Wow. Dan Drydock Shockley, retired U.S. Navy. Thank you for your service, first and foremost. 
colon cancer advocate, colorectal cancer advocate, hereditary colon cancer warrior, lots of words, all the same thing. You are one hell of an inspiration, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your wisdom here on NordPod. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate the opportunity. That's all for today. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. NordPod is a product of the National Organization for Rare Disorders and Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Leslie Nordstrom. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Valerie Don Francesco is our marketing manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary and the post-production team at Offscript Media. Our theme music is by the Salvatones. Learn more about the music of the Salvatones at salvatones.org. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit nordpod.org.